This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes. What's going on? Live in studio, Polly. Uh, we've got you here. It's always a good, good thing to see you in person. Yeah. Glad to be here, you know, without my delay. Right. Exactly. The only delay you have is, uh, you know, mentally now. Right. So. <laughs> Just normal. We're all used to that. <laughs> Capstones, we've got an incredible episode for you today. We're going to be talking about the week in review for the Washington Capitals. There's quite a bit of league news to cover and uh, a little bit of drama in the DMV as Ted Leonsis has decided to, or at least is is showing that he is moving to Arling, or to Alexandria, and uh, we'll talk all about that, troll polls about that. But, Polly, I think the uh, best thing to do right now is to just pop some tabs and get right into it. What do you think? Yeah, buddy. One, two, three. All right. Well, in true Caps Chirp fashion, I think we'll just hit you off with a uh, some pretty sad and shitty news uh, that we should share. Uh, 11-year-old boy in Montreal died this week after being struck in the neck with a puck at practice uh, for his, I guess, his youth team. Paul, you put this in. Did, do you have any details on that? Just kind of like an errant shot or from another <clears throat> player? Yeah, um... That's about all I could find, at least at the time I put this in. Um, I saw that the PWHL team from Montreal released a statement, and so I looked into it a little bit, and, you know, understandably, there weren't team names or player names or anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it sounded like um, that kind of situation, you know, just uh, an accident. And, I, I mean, <clears throat> I guess it. It could have really been anywhere. It could have, you know, could be fatal basically anywhere on your neck. So I'm not going to speculate there. I just know uh, tragedy struck. Yeah, it's been a tough, um, tough year for hockey accidents. That's for sure. So uh, our deepest condolences to the family, friends, and teammates of that player. And, um, you know, just a shout out. It's really tough. All right, well, moving on. Um, Verona, ex-Cap Verona, Jacob Verona, put on waivers with the Blues. He's been waived by the past two teams uh, that he's played on, Detroit and the Blues. In Detroit, he went into the player assistance program, I believe, for some sort of substance abuse um, and, and mental health counseling. Came back and, I guess, never really returned to form. Detroit waved him, the Blues picked him up, and within the year, they're already done with him. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that, Paulie? Oh, sad for him. Uh, but, you know, he's not producing, obviously. Um, I haven't looked at his stats, but you normally, you only wave a guy if he's a. PR problem, or if he's not playing well. So, right. um, I jokingly put on our Facebook page, you know, should the Caps make a move for him? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. No, um, unfortunately not. You know, um, 
Verona's had a pretty successful career. He's reached the top. Uh, I don't think that he ever had the longevity to be making like fuck you money. I mean, he made fuck you money. Don't get me wrong. Don't I shouldn't say that. But as far as being like super rich, I hope that he's you know taking care of his stuff there um, and his finances. But at the same time, like he should be pretty good probably to do whatever he wants within hockey or without of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This may be the end. Do you think this is the end? I mean, do you think a desperate team picks up Verona? Yeah, I think someone will. You think? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see because I'm pretty sure he's going to get waived, and and I'm I'm I don't think anybody's claimed him yet. So it would have to be like a professional tryout situation or just like a straight up UFA signing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pretty tough. Bounce the puck for Verona there. We'll, we'll keep you informed, see what he does. Um, but in his defense, the Blues are in absolute fucking turmoil right now. They they fired Baruby and replaced him with uh, Drew Bannister as the interim coach, who I believe was uh, heading up their AHL team. Um, you know, this is Craig Baruby, the guy who got you a cup. Yeah. Uh, what, four years ago? Right after the Caps got theirs. Um I don't know what management thinks. You know, obviously Armstrong, right? He's gone. There's been quite a lot of turnover in that organization. I'm not sure what their what their end goal is and what's going to happen, but I guess they just thought they needed to change, you know, and that was the easiest thing to change. It's not like they're going to revamp or rebuild their, their roster as it is right now. There were some comments by Jordan Cairo. <laughs> About Baruby, and I think that they were blown way out of proportion. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like so, you ask the guy, you know, you're, you know, about Baruby, and he's like, "Well, he's not my coach anymore. I don't have much to say." And I think that that was more of a player just trying to be like, "Why the fuck are you asking me?" Right. You know, I'm not the GM. I didn't fire him. Uh, but who knows? I think the Blues are famous for kind of like this uh, inner squad drama. Yeah, that and their fans are shitty. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I guess being the cup-winning coach can only carry you so far. But True. you would think when you're the only cup-winning coach in franchise history, you'd have a little grace. But then again... It's been four years. Yeah, and the Caps wouldn't pay our cup-winning coach, so... Right. Um, so I, 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 well, the, the difference between the blues and I think that many other teams in the past two decades is that they just got hot after deadline yeah, and absolutely torched the fucking league. Yeah. And it's been, I couldn't think of a, of an example of that type of first se- first half of the season fucking turmoil followed by an excellent second half that pushed you into a Stanley Cup final and win. I don't, I haven't seen that happen. I mean, can you, I don't even know. I'm sure it's happened in my lifetime, but maybe not when I was cognizant of it. Yeah. I mean, nothing comes to mind for me. I think they, what they did like was historic from where they came from. Like they was, they had the most dramatic turnaround. Yeah, when it came to... Because, you know, they loaded up at deadline, and they were just like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And 
Ryan O'Reilly went Super Saiyan 10 and yeah. fucking carried the team on his back. And, of course, there was good goaltending, Bennington, right? I mean, there was yeah. a lot of storylines for this, but this team was dog shit, like last in the fucking conference at the time of trade deadline, and then they ended up being cup winners. So the Blues doing this just makes, like, the statement, crazier shit has happened, all the more valid. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So total outlier. I thought that their cup was just the planets aligning in, in a, the most perfect way for them. So I don't, you know, but so, so I don't really award that so much credit to Barubi and I could see, you know, yeah. I guess in that sense though, he was there, he was responsible for it. It was his team. He deserves all the credit, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was something like systematic and I feel like GMs want to see like incremental yet positive growth at every day. Rather than like, oh, we'll just figure it out. Then all of a sudden it does figure out itself right. on a historical basis, which I don't think you can really plan on. No, no, you can't. Um, and I think they're the perfect example. And they really um, reinforce everyone who has that get hot at the right time attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it goes to show you that if you – it's not the best way to do it, but it's totally possible to play half a season very well and end up limping into the playoffs and then fucking dominating through the stretch, through, yeah. through the through the tournament. The Caps just like to do it the other way around. Right. Traditionally, uh, the Washington Capitals have just been dominant out the gate, basically got like a 10 to 20 point pad so that they could just fuck off for down the stretch and then limp into playoffs, even though they're at the, number, at the top of the Metro. And still go out in the second round. Yeah. So, anyways, moving on, though. Tomas Tartar to Seattle in exchange for a fifth to Colorado. Um, from Colorado. I don't know, man. I don't think that's a... Well, Tomas Tartar can't be doing that well, which is why they're trying to move him. Yeah. That and maybe some cap space. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know Tatar landed in Colorado, so that kind of... I'm sure we covered it on the show, but it's just something that I wasn't aware of. Um, Tatar, for me, was what a Red Wing for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, and good in that role. Um, and but, a devil. What's that? And a devil. And a devil. Oh, was he really? Right before Colorado. Yeah, I think it's where he came from. Interesting. Well, yeah. a fifth round... Uh, you know, I get Tatar's an aging guy, but you know he's looking as he's looked at as a pretty reliable middle six score. Yeah. So we'll see what Seattle does with him if it's a reclamation project project or what. But definitely sounds like a money move from Colorado. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the Canes wave anti Ranta. You know, I've always liked anti Ranta, but. He's just never found the consistency, I think, that he wanted to and that teams wanted him to uh, throughout the throughout his career. Uh, to see him waived is rough. He did he did pass wave through waivers, so nobody wants him. So down to the A. Yep. That's a guy that's either down to the A or on the wire. Um, but definitely trade bait there, I guess, because they retain the rights, but he'll just go down, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, nothing really super earth-shattering with this stuff, but I definitely think that 
the trade market has been quite dry. Yeah. This has. beginning of the season, not a lot of movement. Only a couple, really. Yeah. Uh, and nothing really earth shattering other than UFA signing like Patrick Kane. That was kind of newsworthy, but uh, um, I would, I I don't know. I I hope that the Caps are active. You know, this is the time where I would love to see the Washington Capitals make a move, and we will talk about this. They did make a move, but I'd like to see them make an earth shattering move uh, based upon some needs that I think we have. Again, not to spoil it, we'll be talking that in the, that in the Washington wraparound after our commercial break. But uh, a little bit of Caps-adjacent news. Bruce Boudreau to coach Canada at the Spengler Cup. Now, what is that, Bali? That is a tournament that Canada has played in. It's in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's usually around World Juniors, maybe a little after. I think it, Canada usually sends like a B team, basically. So, and it's just like a European kind of yeah, tournament, me, like a tier two tournament. I'll get a little clarification here. Okay. It's, um, hold on, I'm pulling it up. Yeah, right. they, they can wait. Yeah, Barbecue Bruce, though, love to see that he's still active, man. I mean, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau loves hockey. Yeah, he really does. Say what you want about him, you know, Gabby, but the guy loves hockey. And I think that he's always made that super apparent. And I'm glad to see that he kind of is, is still getting involved. I, I would love to see a couple uh, Monumental Sports Network spots with yeah, fucking right. Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, I would. That'd be that'd be nice. I like when he's there. It, uh, he, he lightens it up. He makes it light. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for the teams here. And it's being, it's being dumb. <laughs> um, it's an invitational tournament held in Switzerland, and it's cited as the oldest in the world. Hmm. Um, Canada has the most titles. Uh, and are these junior players, or are they pro, like adults? Uh, it's junior. Mm. Okay. Yeah, like here, last year they uh, at the standings here. Okay. So, Canada goes and plays pro teams. From Europe. Yeah. Last year, there was Canada, HC Davos, Ferlunda, Ambria Piata, Dynamo. Oh, shit. Partabuche and Kalpaw. Is it the Dynamo number one team? Are these KHL teams or are these like the second tier teams? I... Because it sounds like if you're going to play juniors, you're probably putting in, you know, Frolanda has like a tier two team. They're the Dynamo teams from Czech. Czech, the Czech Extra Liga. Okay, so it's not the Moscow Dynamo. No. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. So it's it's like the, uh, the second tier kind of European teams that are yeah. pro. But as we know, the pro hockey works so much different in Europe, like... You remember Steph was like, when he was on, he played pro since he was 16 in Sweden, then came to the U.S. and was got an NCAA deal, mm-hmm. right? Played in college, went to college. And uh, we asked him, like, you know, I remember this distinctly. I was like, so how did you, so you were pro in, in Sweden, but you came to the U.S. and, like, 
you didn't give up any eligibility or it didn't null it. And he was like, well, yeah, you know, like, well, if you, if you play in college, you can't play pro, right? <laughs> so I guess NCAA uh, really overlooks that type of shit. Probably a little bit more stringent now than yeah. it was in the 90s. Yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> They're probably like, well, it's not North American or the KHL, so. Right. Though, and, and, and you know, Steph, I don't know, I don't think he played in the top Swedish league either. Yeah, there may there was probably certain criteria. Right. I mean, yeah. But, and, and who knows what they mean by pro in Sweden. Like, yeah, you don't have to pay to play. All of your expenses are covered and you get, like, a small stipend. Yeah. I, yeah. I would... You know, be honest, I'd probably do that till I was 50. Yeah, I would. <laughs> here, child, here, man, child, you get a, you get a, your room and board covered, you're fucking rooming with the boys, you get your beer stipend, and meals are covered all, you get three squares a day, you live for free, and you get a beer stipend. Uh, sign me up, dude. And you play hockey every day. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sick. And the, the stands are packed. Right, right, yeah. And you're a stud. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't D2, this ain't non-sanctioned D2 club. This is, you know, the real deal. That was pretty legit, though. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. The pinnacle of my hockey career, for sure, D2 club, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Roberto Luongo inducted the Vancouver's Ring of Honor. You know, I've... Never disliked a goalie as much as I have Roberto Luongo. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just always thought he was fucking overrated, man. Yeah, he kind of was. You know, he's he didn't triple crown. He never did. You know, he got the Olympic gold. The Stanley Cup was always missing. Yeah. Right. So he got there with Vancouver, and then Boston absolutely destroyed it, and then they burnt the Vancouver to the ground, and then. That's the last kind of real success Vancouver is having, except for this season where they're second in the Pacific, yeah, behind a very hot and really overpowered Vegas team. Yeah, I think Vancouver's gonna do some damage. I would love to see. You know, it wouldn't happen until the Western Conference Final, but I would I would take a Vancouver Vegas Western Conference Final, especially if I could write the ending, which would be Vegas losing. Well, they're in the same division, so wouldn't they meet up first? In the Western Conference Final, right? Uh, no, it'd probably be the... Second round. Second round. Unless yeah. one of them was, like, the seventh wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, either way, a second round I'd take, too. Yeah. That'd be a cool matchup. Uh, a lot of young guys actually living up to their names there in Vancouver. Um, right. And, you know, that's what you get. They've definitely drafted well and moved well uh besser is on fucking fire yeah um quinn hughes just keeps racking it up yep yep um so there it is i mean that's cool roberto luongo good twitter guy yeah (laughs) and they uh it was when they were playing florida so his two main organizations oh no shit that's special that's cool that's cool for real. Yeah, that's uh that's really good. So awesome. That's that's great to see. Congratulations, Roberto Luongo, even though I just Shit, I thought you yeah. were overrated. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were overrated, bro. Uh I don't know why, but I did. Um yeah. you know, just 
out here taking a dump on an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, that's what we do here. That's hockey <laughs> troll on brand. Let's move on to some injuries. Uh, tough one. Line A. Out six weeks with a bro- broken f- clavicle. Yeah. What's that, your shoulder? I think it's your collarbone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the, it's the bone that goes out here. Yeah, right there. Like, not a, is that, so it's not like a labrum. No, it's, I think it's what connects, like, your chest to your shoulder. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. I didn't see. My guess is, uh, probably got hit and went into the boards weird. Dude, that's crazy. You know, unfortunately, man, Line A has just been a glass cannon in the past forever. Yeah. You know, this is a guy that I was like, what, two episodes ago, I was like, we should take a look at Line A. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, there goes there goes that. Um, Never wrong. Yeah. Six weeks. Maybe we shouldn't look at Line A. Um, you know, almost TJ Oshie-esque in the injury column. Right. We don't, we don't need another, uh, not that anything wrong with TJ, but we don't need another injury prone guy. Right, and you know what, TJ is what, 35, 33, 32, something like that? Yeah, Line is 24. Yeah, Line is, uh, he's 25 years old, and like, I don't know, somebody's got to get him some like, whole milk. Right, whole milk and, you know. Fuck that, heavy cream. (laughs) Yeah, heavy cream. (laughs) Just just chugging heavy cream. Just, you know, bubble wrap him with fat. (laughs) Dude. You give me a shot of heavy cream, I'm pretty sure my lactose would just, like, I I think I'm lactose intolerant, but it's weird because I can eat cheese, and I can eat ice cream, but, like, straight up, like, two regular 2% milk, take a glass of that, I, it's like a countdown as soon as it hits my lips, lips dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fucking bad. Well, he's got those, uh, those Viking jeans, you know? I... I guess. You'd think he'd be a little bit more durable if he did. Yeah, true. You know, maybe he was like... His ancestors that, were farmers. Not, yeah, they, they were Vikings. just like chilling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, like, we're not... The Vikings can go do their thing. We'll just have our goats over here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, X-Cap Phoenix Copley on LTIR after getting hurt Friday at practice for the LA Kings. Last year, he had a very good run really was trying to carve out a, a, a solid foothold as number one in the league, um, which is very on brand for the Washington Capitals. I think the Washington Capitals do an incredible job of both drafting and scouting uh, active goaltenders. Uh, and they do an even more expert job of managing how they pay them or yeah. how they don't pay them, a la Braden Holpe is uh, the latest example. But, <clears throat> you know, I mean, same with... Vanacek and Samsonov, they didn't think that they were going to be deserving of a, a of a deal that was going to be a big boy deal, and so they moved on from him. Um, Phoenix Copley was somebody that was that boomeranged with the Caps, was a Caps draft, went to St. Louis, came back, and then he was jettisoned from the Washington Capitals and did a little bit of journeyman, uh, kind of bounced around the league, ends up in L.A., gets a shot, and plays lights out. Absolutely carries the Kings for a good quarter of the season. And then, uh, you know, you come to this year and LTIR. Yeah, and he's 4-1-2 and two right now. Yeah, so, so, I mean, he had a good start yeah. as a backup, right? So, those are backup numbers. But 
Yeah, and that's quite the reliable backup. I mean, that's what ten points. So I mean, you look at guys like Tomas Vokun, who were really good goalies in their own right and starters in their own right, but I would say half of Vokun's career was really backing up. Yeah. Now he. <laughs> Many times he came in as a backup and stole a starting position for, you know, X amount of games. But he, uh, for I think that he was always scouted and brought in as like a reliable veteran backup. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe Copley can kind of you know Talbot. Feel like that's kind of the same type of guy that's that's been doing that, um, and finally getting a shot as a starter. So. Best of luck on the recovery for Phoenix Copley. and interested to see where his career is going to go. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. Finally, a sussy. We talked about David Perron going to get a in-person hearing. And usually an in-person hearing is like an automatic three-gamer, I think. is is There's some sort of metric that if you have to have an in-person hearing, you're automatically suspended for some sort of time. I thought he was going to get three games. Um, if you'll remember, uh, Dylan Larkin got knocked out. David Perron, in, in the flurry of clearing the puck, turns back to see Zub, Artem Zub of the Senators, palms up over Larkin's slumped body and proceeds to go absolutely ape shit on Artem Zub, cross-checking him very solidly to the side of the head, yeah. uh, really coming up high, you know, ready to fucking rip his head off. And... Uh, Ends up, Zub wasn't even fucking involved in the play. Nah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that made Perron's case even weaker. And uh, he got hit with a total of, ends up being six games. And I can't, um, I see both sides of it. But I'm not, and I'm a bit surprised at six games. But I've got to stand by the league on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect this many. But I don't disagree. Um, facts are facts, no matter how you're interpreting them at the time. Right. And I um, I know I've been quoted on this podcast as saying, I know you're very familiar, I really hate when people use their stick as a weapon. I use my stick um, as a weapon every play. I know. You're a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, um, I am. I I, am. <laughs> no, but, you know, when people wind up, when people... Like that kid, one dude in beer league who was shoving it up between people's legs. Yeah. And then what Perron did here when, you know. Pretty inexcusable. Yeah. Like, there was nothing about this that could be misconstrued as a hockey play. That's true. And then that's why I say it's a weapon in this instance. I 100% agree, you know, and obviously... <laughs> As Perron's teammate, you're probably like, you know what, like you, your heart was in the right place, but you had the wrong victim. Yeah. Um, and even then, like, I don't think that it was just an incidental kind of fucking weird play that ends up buttoning Larkin, right? And, and it's, yeah. you never want to see a guy slumped over or conscious on the ice, especially with somebody who's had concussion history, right? I mean, and, and all the guys in the room knew that Dylan Larkin had, you know, head troubles, head trauma troubles. So to see him completely passed out. In that situation when Perron looks like... I mean, you can watch the replay. Perron looks over and he sees this scene set up. Yeah. And he just thinks that Artem Zub came up back like and cross-checked Lark in the back of the head. Yeah. You know, he didn't see it, but like the aftermath looked like that. 
and he went out after him. And so I guess as like Perron's teammate, you're like, you know, good team play there, but the wrong victim. And also like you went crazy. And so there's really, I, I just don't think there's any, I guess he's got the excuse. It's just not valid. This is kind of like um, a real life iteration of a Twitter cancel on someone who was <laughs> misrepresented. Right. You know, that, that's like, exactly right. Until the real story comes out that shows that this person wasn't involved, you know, something makes it look like they did it. So all of Twitter jumps on them. And then, you know, then all the people who said it were just like, well, fuck them anyway. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess Peron was the outrage there. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was the mob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but whatever, you know, Peron's got a history. He's yeah. not a he's not a, a, a clean player. He's he's definitely played on the edge before, and that's why I like David Peron. Uh, but also, just didn't get the the he got the fucking sharp end of the stick on this one. I'd say. Yeah, and you know, deservedly unfortunate, but yeah, it's not like he didn't deserve it. Right, exactly. Um, but you know what you do deserve, Caps fans. That's some gambling winnings and the joy of gambling, and that is through DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 18.1800gambler.net in New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks in the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Capstans, we had a, an interesting week. I think we should talk about it on the Washington Wraparound. What do you think, Polly? Let's do it. All right, Caps fans. So let's just start off with the big drama. And that is, are the Washington Capitals going to move to Alexandria? There's a new complex proposed. It would be an epic two or an epic arena for the Wizards and Caps, plus a 3,000-seat music venue. Also, hotels and a conference center and headquarters for Monumental Sports Network. Uh, the VA Stadium Authority would own this place, but give Leonsis a 40-year lease. Uh, Leonsis attended an event in Potomac Yards where the proposed building site is on Wednesday and uh, it seems like he's fully in. Uh, the optics of this say like it's he's ready to do it. He's gonna sign the papers and uh, it's uh, you know gonna have to go through the legislation of Virginia. And also there's been a, been a, uh, a bit of a counter offer for, the, the arena to stay in D.C. as D.C. fired back with an offer to do half a billion dollars in renovations to Capital One. The proposed total renovation bill for Capital One as it sits right now is $800 million. $500 million would be covered by D.C. just to keep the team in Chinatown. Um, 
a lot of drama. Twitter is a is a blaze with people discussing this, um, and uh, you know I think that overall it would be a tough look for DC. You know, having Capital One be a huge piece to what quote unquote gentrified that area of DC, um, and. Ever since I can remember, the Caps have been in D.C., so I'm not old enough to remember them being, uh, I think, in Maryland previous. Landover. Yeah. Or no, wait. Landover was the... Hmm? I thought Landover was the Redskins. Oh, maybe it was. But you may be right as well. There may have been a secondary facility. But either way, I remember when it was the fucking MCI Center, and then the Verizon Center. And then something else probably in the Capital One. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> but, and you know, we're, the, the buzz is, you know, this is a four-mile move. It's in Alexandria. It's in Potomac Yards. It's south of the city. Uh, but it's over the bridge and south. And I think that for the, the amount of money that they're projecting this arena to build and, and generate... Is almost two billion. Damn. Yeah, you know, I'm partial to Nova because that's where you know it's high school, and I think that it would be awesome to have them closer. But for people who are riding the metro, there's been a lot of like bitching, you know, especially if you're coming from Maryland, you're somewhat alienating your Maryland audience, and on top of that, you are making it harder for DC people to make it to Caps games. And you're taking a huge epicenter of profitability away from DC. Yeah. I mean, and those are all fair arguments. Um, I know I said to someone this last week, well, that just means that the people from Virginia don't have to travel and the people from DC have to. So really like you're just kind of flip-flopping. Um, well, Maryland too, because Maryland's going to be on the complete opposite side of DC. They're going to go through DC. Yeah, you know there is one the the le- the less the least of the DMV would be Maryland in my eyes, <laughs> but it still exists. Yeah, I mean, and <clears throat> I think those are fair points, but I think it's only you said four miles. It is, but four miles in the DMV is like an hour. Right, because so, so for instance, like if you're coming from Chantilly, you'd have to stop in Vienna, you'd have to park in Vienna, you'd have to go down the Orange Line, then you'd have to cross, you'd have to change trains and go south. Okay, um, but it's, it could all be done for the most part in the local area if you're going to try to go to a game. It could all be done via metro, because Potomac Yards has its like own metro station's proximity, close proximity. Like it could all be done by via public transportation. It just would add to some people's commute like an hour. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely closer than the Maryland arena was to DC. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not from any of the three, so I'm I'm trying not to criticize the criticisms because I understand people are used to a certain thing. Um, and you're right, it was in Landover. Landover, okay. Yeah, or in Mitchellville. So, I mean, Center. it's not, you know, to me, it doesn't seem like the end of the world because for me to go to a Caps game, it's five hours. 
but um, <laughs> right. I can understand why the people are upset about it. And it does I, – I like teams being in the town they're named. Right, exactly. And, and it isn't a huge – you're right. It isn't a huge deal. It's, it's a small commute, you know, from – if you're talking about the commute from – where the arena is now to where the arena will be, it is a small community. But there is a big, you know, Maryland's getting shit on. Uh-huh. But, you know, D.C. people are also getting shit on. And you're taking the you're taking the vibe of that arena, which is smack dab in the middle of the city. Yeah. Out completely. Now, what does that building become? What does Capital One become? Probably whatever the fuck they want. I mean, a huge convention center... I don't think it'll just be like the Sochi Olympics where it's just like a, no. a shell of a building. Right? No, I mean, they'll still have plenty of concerts and they'll sure. do, you know, different college events and stuff like basketball tournaments and stuff. Right, but it's just not going to be bringing in the amount of money that it right. would if there was two, not one, but two pro teams playing in the city. Right. Well, this took me, this, this inspired me, if you will, to do the troll poll this week on um on uh on this question so i asked it's been a crazy news week for caps nation what do you think of the new proposal to move the caps and wizards to alexandria um 30 it's an even one 30 percent said they love it and overrules and 70 percent said boo keep the caps in dc um 23 votes not as many votes as we got uh on our first one i've i've yet to trick the algorithm into serving it or people aren't interacting as much and there's no comments this time. But if you uh, catch a troll poll on the Caps Chirp Twitter and you take the poll, I will read your comments out loud on, on air. So just if you're listening, you know, look out for that. I try to do it every week. But it seems like a lot of the people that follow us want the Caps to stay in D.C. Yeah. And at first I was like, fuck yeah, Nova, baby. And then I was like, you know, while this venue the 3000 seat music venue is incredible it's right near the airport though and which i believe would be dulles no i'm sorry not dulles but it's it's right near it's right near the airport which isn't ideal and i've just seen a lot of buzz around it it would further congest nova which good god you already know if you live in nova or in the surrounding area how crazy traffic is um but I'm starting to I, I nostalgia has me saying like I'd rather see the caps back in DC just stay in DC. Yeah, I mean, I know I've been kind of coming through as contrarian, but overall, I agree that it should stay in DC. Um, for what you said, primarily for the reason that you said is that like they should play in the team in the state or the the the. the district if you will yeah the place in which they're named for yeah i mean you know it's so annoying to me that the new york giants and jets both play in jersey i mean yeah like i hate that kind of stuff um now would they be moving is it the mystics uh i believe so yeah team they'd be most likely yeah. yeah i mean obviously the two big names that they referenced were the wizards and the caps well, I, just, I don't if monumental doesn't own them then maybe at least they would stay at capital one um yeah i'm not sure because i think i thought leon Sisso owned the mystics too yeah i think he, it, it sounds right right um okay anyways so caps fans 
We'll keep you obviously informed on this. This is a big thing for DC, and and you know if it ends up becoming like a huge new development, um, that'd be cool. But this has been struck down in the past as well. It's tough. There's a lot of, I'm guessing, essentially palms that you've got to grease, yeah, to get this deal done. And Leonsis thinks he can do it. He seemed to gain some public support, um, at least thirty <laughs> percent of the public. But who gives a shit about us? You know, we're not the ones fucking pulling off all these crazy deals. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, I saw a tweet. It was like, how much fucking money do you need, Ted? Like, come on. Right. You know, um, so I don't know. Uh, the Washington Capitals are a profitable team. Uh, Ted Leonsis is a capable owner. Uh, we'll, we'll just see how it goes out. But as of right now, I think I'm on Team D.C., just keep him there. Yeah, I think I am too. I yeah. am. I am. I love being in the middle of the city. Like, you, you're getting off on a metro stop. You know, you know you're in the middle of D.C. Like, it's a it's a cool place to be. You know, I think that building a compound out in Nova would detract from it. And, you know, the artist renderings of what this place is going to look like reminded me a lot of what was proposed in Phoenix with the Arizona, you know, team. Probably the guy. Yeah, right. But this type of, like, compound that is an entertainment compound. Yeah. Uh, or complex, as they say. It's complex. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Compound seems a little bit more evil, so I like to use that word. Right. You know. Gotta put the spin. Right. You know, like, no, no, like, peaceful fucking philanthropist lives on a compound. You know, they live on like some property out in the sticks or something. They don't. They don't live on a compound. But you know, like people who are planning the demise of the world and trying to take over the world, they live on compounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so dramatic, but there is some positive news, Caps fans. Ethan Bear is a cap. You called that two million a year for two years. Uh, you know, I did say that that it was probably likely going to happen. I think the Capitals have been. Interested in Ethan Bear for a long time, you know, having the injury, he's just had a tough go at it. His his trade stock was down. Um, so as of right now, and I don't know when he's going to be joining the team. I was hoping that he would kind of jump right in immediately. I'm not sure what kind of red tape there has to be done for him to actually officially join the team. But he hasn't dressed for any of the games. I don't believe. Yeah, I don't think so. So I can't wait to see him out there. And I I would assume that he's probably, if it were me, I'd throw him in Hershey. For four or five games, get him a you know see what he's like, get him a conditioning stint, get him up to speed on the system, and then come bring him up. Um, plus, it would just help with the caps cap, if you will. Yeah. But two million a year for two years for Ethan Bear. I think a lot of guys, a lot of teams were giving him a one year low ball deal, and just it was a show me contract. Because uh, initially. When they were talking term, I was thinking like three, four, five, five years. I was thinking like five years that he wanted. But really the term this poor guy was really scratching for it was two years. Yeah. Uh, not asking not a, much. What's that? Not asking much. Right. Um, we got him for two years. I think that's a safe play. I like Ethan Bear. I think he's a physical guy. I think that he can jump up into plays. Um, the defensive core of the Washington Capitals needs an offensive contribution so bad right now. Uh, you know, we'll cover it, but 
there's been like two goals all year from the blue line. Yeah. Which is not good. No bueno. Right. Uh, in the modern NHL, that's fucking trash. So hopefully he can inject some physicality, some offensive flair, and be a, a steady defenseman for us. I look at Ethan Bear as like a Martin Faviari. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm placing him. And two million for two years for a middle middle pairing defenseman, I'll take it. Yeah. I like it. So if we're looking at the cap right now, Caps fans, the Ethan Bear will be two million, an additional two million against Cap, and patches will be another two, which would leave us with roughly around four million dollars in cap for this year due to Backstrom being on LTIR. Um that we really have to play with. So if you're doing any calculations, if you're scouting any people that would be a good fit, have them be around two to $5 million a year and scoring a hundred goals a year would be great. Yeah. That's what we need. You know, take that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the actual games this season. Or I mean this week <clears throat> on the 14th, Washington went to Philadelphia and played at 7 PM. It was a four to three shootout loss. Milano on IR with an upper body injury apparently suffered during practice or maybe a nagging injury that was exasperated during practice to replace him. The Washington Capitals called up Joe Snively and in this game, Kuznetsov, again, sick and out. So he was scratched as well. Um, I don't know about Kuzi, man. Gotta start pumping him full of vitamin C. Right? Gotta get a line A on the the heavy cream and (laughs) Kuzi on the vitamin C. Right. Right. So magnesium. Yeah, magnesium and... and, uh, Zinc. Zinc, yeah. Other minerals that are supposed to be good for you. I don't know. Maybe meat? I don't know. Do something. Yeah, some some beef. Get some Some, good iron. Good iron. iron. Yeah. Yeah. Spinach. (laughs) Spinach. He should just start eating uh, dirt from the Potomac. That would probably help. Yeah, right. Just toughen up a little bit. but Yeah. Well, he's apparently sick. I don't know. And, and, you know, every time I hear of a player going in and out of IR for the Washington Capitals, I just wonder if it's just like a roster move. Like, yeah. I wonder if it's a cap cap fooling move. Yeah. Sorry, Kuzi. You cost too much tonight. No, no, no. Well, Kuzi wouldn't come against instant, but, you know, guys like Milano being out on IR, like, immediately. The Washington Capitals are probably like, if somebody goes down in practice, like, I guarantee there's somebody that's like, do you need to go on IR? Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, like nah, dude. I just cut, like you need the IR. Like Ovi's shaving his face, cuts himself. Oh, IR. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's shaving in the team locker room. Trainer comes in. He's like, oh, I think it's gonna be three games at least. Um, but uh, in the first period of this Philly game, it's kind of a muck up between both teams grinding it out. Ovi this week has looked much more involved. Uh, I would say, and he showed it here in the first period of this game, and uh, definitely, but overall, definitely a defensive period. Unfortunately, in the second, Bobby Brink put the Flyers on the board off a rebound and, and blown coverage in front. Hate to see that. Just uh, get the guy getting lost in front and weaseling his way to a goal. Seconds later, though, Connor McMichael and that third line, who's been carrying the water for the Washington Capitals past few weeks. Uh, Fires back with a beauty goal by Michael, who was alone in front and found by Protus. Nice dish, nice finish. McMichael definitely feeling himself this season. 
Yeah, love to see it. I mean, he's he's being the guy that we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was so well-developed in the AHL, yeah. now we are seeing the fruits. He's getting his, his confidence is at all-time high. I mean, the guy's he's buzzing. And, and I think he's starting to understand where he fits in and also being able to say, like, to, to identify where his strengths are. And that's huge. Uh, later on, though, uh, during a real battle, the second the skies opened, the power play scored off of a nice pa- a nice play from Strom to St. Thomas cross crease. That's a power play goal, folks. One in a million, as they say in D.C. Yeah, right. I mean, felt good. Yeah, finally. Like, you know, at least get us to like 7%. That, I would take 7% at this point uh, rather than the abysmal under sub 6% that we've been seeing. The Flyers weren't done yet, though. This Farabee made of a hell of a play for a perfect wraparound goal. Man, this was a beauty wraparound goal and really just um, a, a great board battle that squirted out right to him and that he banged home. Uh, not much you can do from that. Again, he left. He was just in, like, the softest of soft spots when he got the puck on his stick away from the scrum and just had just enough to get a quick shot on that, and it went in. The Caps, though, did answer. With a Strom goal, as Wilson got a loose puck first and snapped his stick on the shot, Stromer was right there to just send her home. The Flyers weren't done, though. That gave us the lead, but the Flyers weren't done as Tippett buried a screenshot, and it's tied again. Uh, pretty exciting end of the game throughout you know, what was looking to be a slugfest kind of uh, muddy battle after the first in OT no one scored and it was pretty conservative I find the Washington Capitals have been pretty conservative in the overtime frame at least um, Coots scored uh, in the in the shootout Oshie scored and then some other Philly bum scored and we fucking lost uh, overall not great I guess it, the results were terrible <clears throat> I thought the Washington Capitals played their game here yeah uh, they're on the road you know, in a hostile environment, if there ever was one, in Philly. Yeah, right. Um, Wells Fargo there is a really nice arena, but, man, I'm sure if you're an outside fan there or if you're in a visiting team, they do not uh, pull any punches in no. Philadelphia. No, they're not, uh, they're not bringing you tea and cookies. Right, exactly. They're not welcoming you with open arms. Um, but, uh, you know, I would think... Something that was awesome in the shootout was Lindgren going old school for the first time and stacking the pads with the poke check. What was not so awesome is that he tried it the literal second time, like the next shot. You know, this game's not at all on Charlie Lindgren. He played really, really well. The Washington Capitals just couldn't do enough offensively to get it done. And I think that's been a recurring theme this season. So, you know, stop me if you've heard that before, that the offense couldn't get it done. And it's definitely going to be a theme for the rest of the Washington wraparound this week. Uh, You look at the three goals that were scored by Philadelphia. um, You know, the Caps... I'm sorry. The the goals that were scored by Philadelphia. uh, The Caps took five penalties this game. Really kind of a chippy game. I can't – our PK is good, okay? It's decent. But putting yourself in a position to take 10 minutes of penalties in, night in and night out is 
not a secret to success. No, not at all. Uh, even though I believe one of those calls was complete bullshit uh, that put us on the five on three. Terrible bullshit call. Uh, I believe it was on Carlson too. And the, sh- the I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Cam Atkinson but uh, or whoever it was. But they just blew a tire in front. They just fell down in the high slot. And the ref saw it and saw that somebody was near it and call him for a slash or a trip or something. Uh, we had three power plays and capitalized on one, which for us is really good. 33% on a night. That's good enough for most teams. Um, but the flyers are getting, you know, the torts gas and they're not a bad team. Would love to get that four point swing. Yeah. Because the Philadelphia flyers are currently ahead of us in the standings. Would have been a great statement game. Would have, given us a lot of ground. You know, this whole week, the Washington Capitals had a couple opportunities against Philly and Carolina later on that we'll cover that would have given them a, a just a great position, beating, knocking off two opponents on the road uh, in one week in the division. Yeah, that'd be big. Huge. So would it, uh, that's, that's, that's the type of stuff that, like, at the end of the season, you could look back and be like, man, thank God we won that first one against Philly. Thank God we won that first one against Carolina. Right. You know? Um, so, disappointment. Disappointment, but we get out with the loser point. So, you know. Could be worse. Could be worse. I keep going back to, though, the statement that good teams find a way. And I think the Washington Capitals failed to find a way to close this out in regulation. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on. The 16th, two days later, in Nashville, 8 p.m. game, Central Time Zone. Uh, this was a incredibly frustrating game to watch. Caps drop this one 3-1. to one. They don't show up and, and take an unfortunate delay game penalty, which resulted in a power play goal for Nashville. But the rest of the first was quite uneventful. Uh, Nashville is not... A powerhouse team, though Barry Trotz is back there. You know, they've got personnel, but they haven't exactly been somebody that should have given the Washington Capitals too tough of a time, especially in the past. But but you would love to see the Washington Capitals go into Nashville and, and absolutely just get a, get a good, solid win. Uh, unfortunately, they did not. You know, Nashville is currently sitting in the first wild card spot in the West, but... You know, it's the West. Mm-hmm. They're no slubs. They're no. They're no. They're no slobs. I guess in that sense. But your East Coast bias is showing. It is. It's. It is. It is. It I is. Mean, you're. You're flashing it through your trench coat right now. It's not a trench coat. This is a starter jacket, my guy. A Caps white starter jacket. Well, I, yeah, I wasn't talking about your actual ensemble. It oh. was. It was a metaphor. Oh, you're flashing. I get it. Yeah. Through my friend. Okay. It's showing yeah. as egregious as a flasher doing it with a trench coat. Wait, you th- so you think Nashville is a fucking powerhouse? What are you trying to say? No, I'm just saying as someone who roots for a team in the West that the East Coast bias is very real. Well, it's real because it's it's real. It's true and factual. Yeah, that's... Sure. <laughs> I do not agree. Okay, anyways, the Caps, like I said, didn't show up. Got a PPG, delay a game penalty on our part. P- 
PK couldn't stand up to it. It happens. In the second, though, the Caps got a five on three and scored again as Strom tipped a an uh, Ovi shot and Oshbabe dove in to tap it. This is a good hard working goal. Yeah, that's that's Oshbabe right there. This is the type of fucking shit that we that I love to see. I mean, you know, you can't get it done pretty. Get in there, get pucks in on net, and bang home a rebound. Get one greasy, you know, get into the hard areas. Now, TJ Oshie was lucky. He was perfectly placed for it. But, like, still, this is why I love TJ Oshie, who, by the way, had an incredible game. He was probably the only one working. He looked like he was on one this whole game. The rest of the team kind of was effervescent in the sense of maybe they were there, maybe they weren't. Yeah. Throughout uh, the game, but I thought TJ Oshie put in a good sixty-minute game. Yeah, I think Oshie looked real good, and you know, for such a beautiful man, he does a lot of ugly plays, right? Yeah, and you know, I just I love TJ Oshie. I think he's a hell of a player. Um, you know, Hall of Famer maybe, but I could see him get snubbed because one, he's American. Yeah, and two. That's why I love him because he's a fucking American, hardworking boy. He's getting in there, yeah. doing, doing American stuff. USA, USA, baby. Like these pants. Let's just get into it real quick. Yeah, Check I, these out. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Oh my god, he's standing up. Do you think anybody wants a roundhouse kick to the face when I'm wearing these bad boys? <laughs> By the way, Polly's wearing the like what are they? They're like fake bottom half. They they're like they've got hockey pants, hockey breezers, and, and laces on them. Yeah, so they're it looks like the bottom half of a hockey uniform. Got the blue, the blue shell with the uh, the red on the side, the white socks, and at the very bottom it's like the top of a skate. Got these on Amazon. I also got a pair that's Santa themed that I wore for a beer league game. Oh my god! But these USA hockey pants are sick, and they're extremely comfortable. Well, good for you. And it looks like we just got a comment, huh? Yeah, good shout out from Elizabeth Henry. Never heard of her. Uh, Finn, I don't know that kid, is wide awake and goes dada. You know these people, Holly? Yeah, it sounds like my little baby boy is watching his dad. Oh, heard my voice. That's that's nice. That's good. He's too young to be disappointed. So. Hi, Finnegan. Go back to bed. Go to go to sleep, kid. Um, all I right. Well, what? Go ahead. Oh, I said I, I love you. Oh, he loves you. Yeah, good. that's a good thing. Father to son thing to have. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, as the second was dying down, the Caps Novi unleashed like five, just five high quality chances, but could not for the life of them finish. Uh, during this flurry, they got greedy, and two demon were pinching. Just one natural player, just kind of in the middle, floating. Puck bounces perfectly to him. Both D-men are out of the play. Breakaway the other way. Charlie Lindgren was left completely out, hung to dry. This was a breakaway as they were leaving the offensive zone. It was already done. This is a breakaway through the neutral zone and into the defensive zone. Um, Pretty painful to watch that one. Yeah. Especially after all the momentum that the Washington Capitals had built. Now, Capstones, this is a three to one game, right? But the Washington Capitals dominated possession the majority of this game, which made it even more frustrating to watch and even more frustrating to see the Washington Capitals literally on the precipice of putting the foot through the door and then just having the door slam shut right on it. Right. I mean, they were like, they put their foot in and the door started to close and they were like, oh, sorry. 
backed away, <laughs> let it let it close. Right, right. Just break your foot. Um. So the Caps were dominating a lot in the second. Not much to show for it. Uh, Ovi was pumping him on net. Still has got the speed. They were talking about how fast those shots were clocked in the upper 90s, mid to upper 90s. McMichael had a chance to dangle in front. Uh, literally couldn't buy a happy ending here on this game. Early in the third, the Preds came out to finish the game, you know, really emboldened by their lead. Uh, got a, and, and ended up getting a lucky own goal on the Caps about five minutes uh, in as the Caps fumbled in front. And it went off two caps and finally off Strom stick who was trying to bat it out really really tough break the rest of the games caps look good very in control but unable to get into the middle and Preds did a good job of selling out blocking shots Soros who's on a fucking heater has our number I feel like the last time we played Soros he absolutely stuffed us as well um, pretty pretty brutal uh, good for him playing really well I mean Preds fans weren't wrong when they saw him as Pekka Rene's backup, and they're like, he's the future. Yeah, and you know, this is a guy that I had very little knowledge or faith in when Pekka Rene retired, but he has really taken the reins in Nashville, and I think done an excellent job. Yeah, for real. You know, replacing what is probably franchise best school attending. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the goalie situation in Nashville is like, quarterbacks in Green Bay. You have them for like an entire generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just on to the next one. But one who didn't, they didn't keep, was Vokun. Did you know Tomas Vokun played for fucking Nashville? I did. You did? I think it's just because I've seen like a card. Had to be, he was maybe drafted by them? Had to be early, right? Yeah, it was early. Crazy. And he played like, he got like a, almost 200 wins with him. Yeah, he, uh, I'm pulling up his stats. We referenced Vokun early in the show. We did. And his, his, his body of work has crept into this pretty pervasively, this whole episode. He was drafted by Montreal. Okay. And then his second year of his career until 07. So, 98 to 07. He was with Nashville. Wow. And then he went to Florida. And then Florida, Florida is where people really know him from, I think. Yeah. But he was in Nashville for eight years. But, I mean, back then, Nashville was a fledgling team. Yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting. Did not know that. Uh, Tomas Bukun is an excellent goalie by many accounts. And, I mean, I think that he's really more underrated. But that was a guy, like I said, through the end of his career was – the guy you brought in to be the solid backup and mentor, your young number one. Uh, yeah. And he oftentimes ended up not only mentoring him, but actually taking him fully to school and taking their number one yeah. position. <laughs> you know? Uh, all right. This game ends up being a fucking total loss. Losing regulation, 3-1 to one against Nashville. Capstan did themselves absolutely zero favors on the breakout all game. The breakout has been a bit sloppy. Uh, and as you know, I'm a big breakout guy. I like to see, you know, okay, we get the puck. What are we doing with it all the way down the ice? The breakout is hugely important to how the offense is going to churn. And the Washington Capitals have gotten to the blue line at least 30 times this past week and just coughed it up. Yeah, that's not good. No, I mean, just 
errant pass turnover. And that is the worst place to be doing it because you're just leaving a guy open in the middle to walk right in on goal if unopposed. Right. At the very best, a turnover in the breakout means that you're scrambling to get back into the zone and into position. Not yeah. high stress. High stress, I'd say. You know, turn it over in the neutral zone. You're like, okay, well, I tried something didn't work. We can regroup. But turning it over at your own blue line, that's that's a killer. Um, you know, all of our shooters were snake bitten all game, missing nets, shooting it right at the goalie, just not getting the luck that we need. Saros played well. Lindgren, Charlie Lindgren, though it was a 3-1 loss, I thought he played incredibly well in that. You look at the goals that he gave up, a PPG tipping, a breakaway, and then an own goal. Like, literally the worst luck, and the Caps couldn't buy uh, any, they couldn't bury in front of him. So... That was all the negative. That was, you know, I guess a silver lining. I think Charlie Lindgren is still a good goaltender, and I think that he did really well. We just had all the bad luck. And what's been pervasive, I think, throughout this whole season is that the Washington Capitals can't fucking finish. Um, The second silver lining that we can take away from this game is that Ovi did awaken a bit this game. Yeah. Thought he was a little bit more in the mix. Thought he was a little bit more involved. He seemed to have that kind of killer instinct to bury. I think the diesel engine is starting to warm up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Takes a while, you know, low RPMs, but lots of torque. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Tonight, Sunday, back-to-back, going from Nashville to Carolina. The uh, Washington Capitals came out and absolutely dominated in a 2-1 shootout win. Until Dowd high-sticked X-Cap Orlov for a double minor. as a pretty vicious high-stick. Yeah. Uh, the Canes scored on the first power play, but they cheated and interfered with Kemper. And it was waved off on the ice. Uh, the Caps did a really good job of killing the rest of the power play, but it, it did give the Canes life. And it was more of an even period after that. Like I said, the first five minutes the Caps came out, pumped the f- several shots on net. were really just taking command of the team or of the game, and I thought they played very well in the first five. Uh, the The Hurricanes were very lucky to not get scored on in that first five minutes. But, uh, you know, we get out kind of unscathed. <clears throat> we got a power play of our own and let up a shorthanded rush, it looked like, and took a penalty of our own, so that was washed out. During the resulting PK, the Caps sprung St. Thomas, but he was stuffed by the Canes' young Russian goalie, Kochetkov. This is a breakaway. Uh, there was nobody within four stick lengths of St. Thomas on this one. And he came in, tried to just really freeze the goalie, kind of ice him and just shoot right through him. Didn't work. In fact, Kochekov is kind of a stand-up goalie. He likes to stay stand up, stood up. He just grabbed it out of the air. Didn't even yeah. go down. It's weird to see. It is very weird. So he's committed. You know, this all these young goalies are have their own style, but uh, Kochekov is a pretty young, new goalie. He uh, he's definitely um, something to see, I guess, in that sense. Staying stood as as much as he can, and he's a big guy too. I'd say he's like close to Kemper's size. Yeah, I mean, use that size. <laughs> yeah. Uh, period ended again with Caps and Scathe. Isn't the best. Could have been worse, I'd say. Uh, 
Second was was worse though. The Canes started piling on halfway through the period. The they found Aho alone in the high slot after putting in some really good forechecking work. Now, I think a staple and an identity of the Carolina Hurricanes is that they're a hardworking, fast team, and they are not afraid to beat you up on the forecheck. And that's really how they generate a lot of their offense. I think that's a Rod Brindamore staple. Yeah, for sure. You know, get in there, get it aggressive, start banging bodies, make them turn the puck over. We've got it in their zone. We shouldn't be backtracking, you know. Um, and that was perfectly put to work here. Um, Aho really just kind of lost his man in a transitional kind of wraparound play on the boards, a dump in, really, and um, finds himself right out in the open for a berry. The Caps couldn't stop running around really in chaos for a lot of this period. I thought that they were, I don't know if you got to watch a lot of it, but they just looked dis, a little disorganized with the forecheck and the speed that the Canes, Canes brought inside their own zone. They figured it out for the most part. They did a good job of shutting down the middle, as the Washington Capitals have been doing this season. So it's a good thing, but, you know, at this point in the game, the, the Canes started really doubling up the Caps in shots. Yeah, I mean, the shot total was pretty lopsided for this point on. Yeah, yeah, the the momentum really, after that double minor, man, that Dowd took, it really threw momentum the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think stick taps to Kemper. He kept this game going. Absolutely. One of the, I, now that you say that, I think this is the best game that Kemper's played yeah. to date. Yeah, at uh, least for this the season. season. Yeah, this season, I think this is the best game yeah. Kemper's played, um, you know, no, Carberry hasn't come out and said Charlie Lindgren's a number one, but he is using Charlie Lindgren as a number one. Yeah. Sort of. You know, you, you have Nashville, you have Carolina. Both of these teams are, you know, have their own struggles and they're kind of, you know, hunting for a wild card or a last spot in the division of uh, their respective divisions. So I'm not sure who would have been, what have, what would have been the harder game between, you know, before playing it, what would have been the harder game, Nashville or uh, Carolina, and right. I think that the way that Lindgren was deployed was as if he was a number one. And I think he's been deployed as number one for the past couple weeks. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely how it looks. Yeah, and they'll never say that, and I don't think that they need to. I don't think they should, because nah. this could be very fluid. Lindgren has a couple bad games, and guess who's number one again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> eventually, the Washington Capitals do figure it out. And find a little bit of a wrinkle, uh, a, a soft spot with Martin Favriari breaking down the middle for a nice even-up goal on uh, the first D-man Barry in what feels like a fucking millennium, dude. Yeah, feels like <clears throat> first time since 2020. Seriously, dude. I feel like, um, and I'm pretty sure that he's only the second defenseman to score this season. Love it. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. Uh, you know, we brought in Sandine, who's who's got a ton of apples. But, uh, guys, the the blue line has had a tough time actually putting the puck in the back of the net. Done a ton of things that were great to create offensive chances, and they're obviously involved in the rush, involved in the offense of the Washington Capitals. But nowhere near to the effectiveness is what we've enjoyed in the past, even John Carlson. So, pretty brutal. But, um Glad to see that Fairviari got one. I think he deserved it. He was in the right position, right place, right time. Then no one scored in overtime, uh, and the Caps won in the shootout. So yeah. while, again, this could have been a four-point swing that put the Washington Capitals into a playoff position, they remain outside looking in one point behind Carolina. 
Yeah, better than it could have been. Exactly. I mean, and it's a win, though it did end up being a shootout win, which I feel cheapens the whole ordeal. Yeah. I've, uh, I mean, I don't hate shootouts, but they're not as fun as they used to be. Oh, and I, I misspoke. Actually, as of right now, Sunday night, the Washington Capitals are in playoff position. They are in the second wild card spot. I didn't know they held the tiebreaker over Detroit. Oh, nice. Right. Um, so, hey, you know what? The Washington Capitals ended this week securing half the points available. Could be worse. You know, the Washington Capitals saw a tweet and it said, like, you know, they're either really fucking good or really bad. There's yeah. no in between. Yeah. And I could agree with that. But as far as, like, being a slow, steady burn on points gathering, Washington Capitals under Spencer Carberry have done an excellent job of that. They've stayed relevant. They've stayed in the mix. And they're getting, week in and week out, at least half the points available to them. Yeah. I can't hate that. No, I mean... Stay relevant, keep fighting, and then hope you hit a hot streak. And just, you know, we look at overarching problems. And on Thursday, the Hockey Troll Hip Check is going to be a little bit of a deep dive into where the Washington Capitals sit in relation to the rest of the league. Um, now that we're taking the game seriously, eight game, or taking the team seriously, eight games in post 20 game mark. Uh, I said I'd give the Washington Capitals if you if you haven't been following. I said I'd give the Washington Capitals twenty games to figure it out. I will not count twenty games against or for them the first twenty, but post twenty games they're going to start getting some actual real fucking criticism from me if it warrant if it warranted it. And on Thursday you're going to hear that uh, in spades on the Hockey Troll Hip Check. But a little teaser is. As far as gaming the system in the sense of getting the points that they need, the Washington Capitals have taken, for the most part, 50% of the points that are available to them night in and night out. It could be worse. It could be. Now, what does that mean? They're they're not digging themselves out of a hole uh, post-20 games. Tw- after 20 games, they weren't digging themselves out of a hole. But they absolutely could have buried themselves in the, in the remaining 62 games, uh, it's really kind of their fate's up to them. They're on even playing ground, I think, after 20 games. Is that kind of what you would think, Polly? Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, the Carolina broadcast on NHL Network is the one that I ended up having to procure. Um, <laughs> and uh, they, uh, they were saying, you know, the Washington Capitals don't beat themselves. And I would... Somewhat have to agree. They are not making mistakes that screw over their efforts, but they're not doing what needs to be done to get the scoring that they need. Yeah, I mean, I think when they lose, it's because they're not executing, not because they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right, or just getting absolutely buried Yeah, in possession, or shot attempts, none of that really. Yeah. Um. Okay, last week we said Ovi would score two goals. We were in line. This was this is a rare Washington Capitals eclipse, if you will, uh, yeah. for the for the Cap Shirt podcast. 
Paulie and I were in agreement that that Ovi would score two goals this last week. He scored none. Though he was pumping them on net. He was getting the shots. He was. Um, so, that being said, existence is pain. I mean, this is this is the thing that keeps me up at night about the Washington Capitals. Is Ovechkin is now 13 games goalless. I, th- I think, yeah. I think he was 12 going into this game. Yeah. <sighs> First of all, for it to be a pretty earth-shattering record that a player in his entire like 18-year career, damn near 20-year year career, has not had a drought longer than 13 games is a crazy stat. Yeah, it really is. It really just shows the dominance of Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, it does. So, in that, fucking nuts. Um, <clears throat> but whatever. Uh and then, you know, everybody's like, he's on pace to only score 15. Yeah, well, he's been on pace to score 150 before, too. So, like, right. what do you want from me? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't I can't damn his whole season up for this rough stretch. Uh, though it is concerning, um, and I would obviously love to see him score every game, it's just not happening right now. Yeah. So, zero of goals. We both lost. The record was 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Which seems like a prediction in which you would have, Polly. Yeah. Though you wisely took the three and zero record. Yeah, obviously wise. In an act of solidarity with me. Yeah. Or you copied me. It could Whatever. be. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> the Caps. We thought we're going to go three and zero. Um. Th- basically, our predictions were just t- terrible this week. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah. No one even came close. So uh, that brings us to next week. The Washington Capitals on the 20th are back at home finally after a pretty brutal uh, road road trip back in D.C. versus the New York Islanders. Then on the 21st, another back-to-back. We've had three straight weeks of back-to-backs after this week, this upcoming week. We go from D.C. to Columbus. And then on the 23rd, we are back home for Tampa Bay. Uh, I see, Paulie, you've got your Ovi goals already put in here. What do you think? What do you think Ovi's going to score? Two. Two? Yeah, I think he's getting two. I think he's gotten three. Ooh. I'm doubling down. Dude, this is the year of positivity for Hockey Troll here. Yeah, everybody uh, stalk your Doomsday freezers. <laughs> for real. This may be the end of the world. Hell, it may have frozen over. Um, the record? Two and one. Fuck you. I'm going three and oh. All right. Three and oh again. I can't. Yeah, I'm just positive vibing right now, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just life. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. But uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, just getting soft. I'm not as hateful as I used to be. Yeah. Can you imagine that? It's a uh, softy troll. Softy troll just really. Really sad. Sad times. Um, I think systematically, the Washington Capitals have done a ton of great things. I think defensively, they're pretty fucking tight. Okay? I think the Washington Capitals right now are playing really good defense. I think they're getting top 25% in the league goaltending. I can't hate 
what they're doing defensively on the side of the, on the defensive side of the puck. Can't hate it. I like it. Offensive side, they basically have any like a ton of room for improvement. By that I mean like literally every goal should be celebrated and and yeah. is is uh, just like a very rare asset to have. Yeah, for sure. It's like finding gold. Yeah. So, at some point, our shooting percentage has to come up. At some point, things have to go right. The ship has to be righted. Yeah. I, I You can't shoot at historically low volumes and, and everything like this. So, um, it, this is the week they're breaking through. All right. Let's see it. You heard it here first. Put money on it with DraftKings. Use code THPN. Thank you, Slater. Thank us later. All right, Captain. This is a long epi. A lot of things to talk about. I uh, hope you liked it. And if not, I don't know what to tell you. It's your fault. Um, <laughs> until next week, or I mean, I'm sorry, until Thursday, I'll be talking about just taking a little bit of a deep dive, I guess, into how the Washington Capitals are stacking up against the rest of the league and the Hockey Show Hip Check. Polly, what are you going to be talking about at Snack Time with Polly Cupcakes? Um, things that you did or tweeted in the past being brought up when you become a pro but well, in a fun way not oh. not anybody being canceled okay well that's good all right yeah all right i guess that's the segment for Polly. all right caps fans on thursday tune into us we're gonna get a recording on it right now hockey troll Polly cupcakes signing off bye Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trollin' on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You follow me, Polly Cupcakes, at Polly underscore Cupcakes on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.